Welcome to the podcast, The Human Way, with me, Kelly O'Dell. On this podcast, we'll discuss various topics related to management, leadership, employee engagement, motivation, and much more. In short, just about anything that might help us better understand and improve the workings of organizations and the lives of the people in them. On this episode, I'll discuss the topic, Toxic bosses. Let's start with the bad news. Toxic bosses are a very significant problem in all types of organizations all across the globe. The data has been piling up for a long time. A Gallup study from 2012 indicated that half the people who quit their jobs quit to get away from a bad boss. Now that would mean that about a million people quit their jobs every month in the USA alone just to get away from bad bosses. The same Gallup study indicated that only about 13% of employees are actually engaged at work and and bad management is one of the primary reasons for this problem. I prefer to use the expression toxic boss instead of simply saying bad boss because bad bosses aren't just bad. They actually are toxic. They not only execute their tasks poorly, they poison the entire organization. Since bad managers lead others, the effects of a bad boss impact so many other people. These negative effects contaminate everyone and everything they come into contact with. So what's the good news, you might be thinking? Well, the first bit of good news is that in the same way that a toxic boss can poison the environment, good human bosses can spread positive effects throughout their organizations. The next bit of good news is that we know a lot more about management, leadership, and employee engagement than we ever have before. Today, there's a body of knowledge that can help anyone become a better manager if if they're willing to challenge themselves, reflect on their own values, and learn some new skills and behaviors. The question really is if you're open to new ways of approaching your role as a manager. Now I'd like to ask you seven questions. These questions are designed to help you understand if you're at risk of being a toxic boss. You could also use these questions to try to understand if your boss is a toxic boss. After each question, simply answer yes or no, and at the end of this short test, I'll explain the results to you. Question number one. Do you think that one of your primary responsibilities as a manager is to make wise decisions and that The role of your employees is primarily to implement those decisions. Question number two. Do you frequently feel the need to dig into the details in order to make sure everything works out okay? Question number three. Is it important for you to find the person or persons who are responsible when things go wrong? Question number four. In a typical meeting with your employees, do you normally talk more than other people in the meeting? Question number five. Do you often feel frustration that your employees ask too many questions and talk too much about issues? Question number six. Do you find it easy to make quick decisions and often rely on your intuition? Question number seven. Do you believe it's important as a manager to take all necessary measures to minimize or eliminate risk in your organization? If you answered yes to one or two of these questions, you probably have nothing to worry about. You have the insight to know that 
no one's perfect and that you have to work continuously to maintain and develop your skills as a manager. You're aware that your role as a manager is primarily to facilitate the efforts and decision-making of the people in the organization. And you also know that success as a manager is more about supporting the right behaviors than it is about executing specific tasks. You're also aware that good leadership is only one of many important skills necessary for success, and that as a manager, your primary focus is to create the best possible environment where the needs of the individual and the needs of the group are in balance. If you answered yes to three or four of these questions, you may need to rethink a few of your notions about leadership. This doesn't necessarily mean that you're a toxic boss, but you definitely have a leaning in that direction. You may have a tendency to put too high value on achieving various tasks or goals, and actually miss out on the real underlying purpose of your organization. Keep in mind that the more involved people are, the more engaged and motivated they tend to be about their work. And ultimately, engagement breeds productivity. Challenge yourself to delegate more of the planning and decision-making work to your employees. Delegate and then leave them alone to do their jobs. Avoid micromanaging and forget all about looking for scapegoats or culprits when things don't work out. Remember that your employees might not do things exactly the way you would have done them. Who knows, they might even do them better. If you find yourself answering yes to many of these questions, you are in danger of being a toxic boss. But there's still hope. The fact that you took the time to listen to this podcast and take the test shows that you're not too far gone. Most really hardcore toxic bosses have so little self-awareness that they wouldn't see the need to listen to a podcast on toxic bosses. This is probably the biggest challenge with toxic bosses. They just don't understand that they're part of the problem. Toxic bosses tend to see all sorts of problems with employees, the organization, processes, and lots of other things. And they see themselves as problem solvers and never realize that they themselves can be a big part of the problem. If you answered yes to many of these questions, you're probably a person who tends to put extremely high demands on themselves. You feel as a manager that you're responsible for everything. You think your job is to make wise decisions and then make sure those decisions get implemented. You probably feel frustration about getting employees on board, and despite the fact that you're so focused on achieving results, you're likely not as successful as you'd like to be. And you probably have many employees who are dissatisfied both with their work and with you you as their manager. Again, the good news is that it doesn't have to be this way. Scoring highly on this test really says more about the things you do than who you are. We can all change our behaviors if we want to. Following are a few things that you can think about if you want to find an antitoxin to your toxic leadership. Question number one was, do you think that one of your primary responsibilities as a manager is to make wise decisions and that the role of your employees is primarily to implement those decisions? I usually say that a manager's job is not to make wise decisions. A manager's job is to see to it that wise decisions get made. And this means, more often than not, if you want a wise decision to be made, that someone other than the manager should be making that decision. 
depending on your organizational culture, you'll still be held accountable for the decision, but that's not the same thing as actually making the decision. By facilitating good decisions instead of making them all yourself, you'll improve the quality of the decisions and increase your employees' involvement in the decision process. This will lead to higher levels of engagement and a stronger understanding of and a loyalty to the decisions. Question number two was, do you frequently feel the need to dig into the details in order to make sure everything works out? Someone once said that the devil's in the detail, and this is no doubt often true. I wouldn't go so far as to say that a manager should never dig into the detail, but many toxic bosses paralyze their organizations with constant deep dives boring down to the most irrelevant minutiae. If you find yourself constantly in need of more details, then there's something wrong in your organization, and it might just be you. If you go back to the first question and make sure that you're delegating decision-making, then you shouldn't have to micromanage. Talented employees who know what needs to be done, who are motivated to do it, don't need to be micromanaged. Question number three, is it important for you to find the person or persons responsible when things go wrong? Stop looking for the guilty party when things go wrong in your business. Look instead for the cause and the solution. Maybe even better, encourage your people to understand, resolve, and solve the problems without your involvement. People make mistakes all the time, and that in itself really isn't the problem. The problem is why they're making the mistakes. Do they lack skills or competence to do things right? Do they lack information? Is there something wrong in your processes? Whatever the reason for the problem, going on witch hunts or looking for scapegoats when things go wrong spawns an organizational culture where problems get swept under the carpet, and I'll guarantee you that no problem ever got resolved under a carpet. Question number four. In a typical meeting with your employees, do you normally talk more than other people in the meeting? This is a hard one for me and for many other managers. I like to talk and as a manager, I can easily dominate the meeting. One trick I've learned for myself and I've often encouraged other people to try is to delegate ownership of the meeting to someone other than the boss. For example, the head of the department doesn't necessarily have to be the one that holds the meeting. There will most certainly be certain agenda points where the boss needs to convey certain information to their employees, but that doesn't mean that the boss has to be the chairperson of the meeting. In reality, it may be much better if someone else who's not the boss chairs the meeting. They can control the flow of discussion and make sure that no one dominates discussion. Another little trick I use is to try to avoid being the first person to voice an opinion. I often find out that if I can keep my mouth shut, someone else in the meeting will say what I was thinking of saying. And if I feel the need, I can say that I agree with the consensus of the group, or I agree with Sally or Bob, and I don't have to add anything, and I don't have to enrich the discussion. Question number five was, do you often feel frustration that your employees ask too many questions or talk too much about issues? And most managers have at times felt frustration that people just ask too many questions and have a need to vent issues far too long. But we need to remember that people won't feel engaged and therefore not perform their best if they're not given time to process decisions or initiatives. 
as a manager, you've often had a head start. You've you've already had time to process your decisions or the decisions of your superiors before you introduce them to your employees. If you invest a little more time in this anchoring process in the beginning, you'll discover that you more than make up for lost time later on due to higher levels of commitment from your people. Question number six was, do you find it easy to make quick decisions and often rely on your intuition? As the Nobel Prize winner Daniel Kahneman pointed out in his book, Thinking Fast and Slow, it's easy to make quick decisions, but those quick decisions are frequently wrong. Good decisions require time, analysis, and reflection. First, ask yourself if you're the best person to make the decision. Managers who pride themselves on their quick, intuitive decision-making ability often fail to realize that the risk that they're taking by not involving the right people in the process. Do you really have the most knowledge and insight into this problem? If you're convinced that you are the best person to make the decision, remember that the decision-making process should be an intellectual process. Give yourself time to ask the right questions, to analyze the data, and weigh different scenarios against each other. Intuitive decision-makers often inadvertently alienate the people around them. People can feel run over, they can feel insignificant, because their knowledge and perspectives were ignored in the decision process. And let's face it, sometimes you might have to use your intuition to fill in gaps where you lack the pertinent information, but your intuition should not replace solid facts or be a substitute for doing your homework. Question number seven. Do you believe it's important as a manager to take all necessary measures to minimize or eliminate risk in the organization? In business, risk is not our enemy. It's our friend. Every business school student knows that the higher risk, the higher the return. Managers who see their roles as risk eliminators run the risk of also being profit eliminators. Good managers understand that everyone in the organization should take risks every day. Sometimes these risks will work out okay and sometimes they won't. Now here's the place when I make speeches that I often see managers' faces turning red, their hands shoot up in the air and questions start coming at me from all directions. And I usually end up having to explain that I differentiate between being stupid and taking risks. Jumping out of an airplane with the proper equipment and the proper training is risky, but it also has a high return in the sense that it can be a lot of fun. Jumping out of a plane with no training and no equipment isn't risky. It's stupid. A risk is when there's a certain probability that things might go wrong. If the probability is close to 100%, I wouldn't call that a risk. That's just stupid. We can avoid stupidity by training our people and providing the right resources, but then we need to give them room to take risks, encourage people to take risks, learn from them, and take new risks, even to the point of celebrating their failures. These are just a few of the problems and solutions related to toxic bosses. If you are one, there's hope. You can change your behaviors. If you have a toxic boss, the prognosis is worse, since the boss has to come to their own realization of the problem. It's very difficult for an employee to bring this awareness into the toxic boss's consciousness. But you always have a choice. You can accept the environment as it is, you can change the environment, or you can change environments. 
Thank you for joining me on this episode of the podcast, The Human Way. I hope you'll join me again in the future.